All right, welcome in. This is RJ Bell's Dream Preview, the college basketball edition. I'm AJ Hoffman. He is Griffin Warner. Griffin, how are you, man? I'm doing well. Uh, hit another best bet for four in a row and uh, just trying to do whatever, wear the same clothes, eat the same food, sleep on the same side <laughs> of the bed, not wash my hair to keep it all going. Well, I lost my best bet in painful fashion. We'll get to that in a bit. Uh, but new year, new me, as I like to say. So I'm I'm gonna find I'm not gonna wash my hair probably this whole year and just see where it takes me. Uh, all right, let's jump in. We've got four games that we're gonna go through. The big games coming up this week uh, between Monday and Thursday, and then we'll each come up with a best bet, the usual format. Uh, but let's start with uh, an SEC battle, and this is a, an interesting game because. My line, your line, and Ken Palm's line, all fairly different on this thing. Uh, you went with, we're talking about Mississippi State at Tennessee. You said Tennessee minus seven. Uh, Ken Palm says Tennessee minus 11. And I, I split the difference, went a little bit towards your number, which I think is more accurate. Tennessee minus eight and a half is the uh the that's the number we'll guess for the pod today but either way it feels like the mississippi state losing a couple games in a row it's starting the the easy schedule the weak scheduling early in the year is starting to bite them right now they lost on a neutral against drake right before the break and then they got dominated at home by alabama their first game back and tennessee at home is an absolute monster and they've looked relatively vulnerable when they're not in their building. But uh, Ken Palm has this game 63-52, total of 115. And given the state of these two offenses and the dominance of these two defenses, I think this is going to end up being a really low-scoring game. For Mississippi State, the key for their for them to score in general is getting to the free-throw line, and Tennessee just doesn't put you there. Uh, I'm going to lean to the Vols who are 6-0 and at home by an average margin of just around 35 points per game. Uh, I, I think where there's going to be some good student turnout for this game. I, I think the crowd will make a difference. So uh, Tennessee is the way I would look here. What are you seeing? Yeah, um, I'm probably a little light on the number I put out there. I appreciate the uh, respect showed uh, toward, towards your co-host, but um I think Mississippi State might be a product of a good start to the year and a pretty fortunate schedule. I feel like that's the uh, Chris Jans way to go about things, a la the Chris Beard style of doing things. I feel like all the Chris's, some go to jail, some don't. But um, I feel like maybe we're learning a little bit about Mississippi State. I mean, Drake is a good team, I think, as a mid-major. But I honestly had a Drake lean and didn't play them because I was so worried about the size of Mississippi State. But that might just be what Mississippi State is, is a, a group of tall individuals that make it really hard on teams that aren't tall. Um, but Tennessee, I, I wouldn't call them like the trees, but they handled a very tall Arizona team that's way more talented and honestly would never die in Tucson, a really tough place to play. Now they get, I don't know, because I feel like students are, are out of town probably until Martin Luther King Day, but there's still huge crowd support in Knoxville. Um, and I feel like when they're good, which everyone obviously, and I think AJ, you're probably one of the higher the people that are higher on, on Tennessee around that I, I speak to, um, 
but I'm very scared of going against Tennessee in their building because of that crowd. And I feel like when they shoot well, they can just blow the doors off teams. And I feel like the place that we would expect them to do that is at home. And I, I feel like the only place I'm really looking to fade Tennessee is, is on the road or less. I, I strongly believe someone's going in there to Knoxville and winning. And I just don't even know who's going to do that. Well, I certainly don't think it's the Bulldogs here. So uh looks like we are leaning the same direction there. Let's look at another fairly big spread uh, in the SEC. This one, we're going to go with LSU at Kentucky. We're going to project Kentucky at around eight and a half. This is the, this is the first road game for LSU. It always fascinates me when we're in January and a team's playing their first road game. And I, I, I think it's, it's a terrible idea. It, it sets you up for failure when, when it matters most. Like you want your team going into the first hostile environment they go to all season long. You want it to be rough. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, Kentucky's, they don't look anywhere near their preseason expectations. And, and LSU has exceeded them so far. But I just, I, when I look at this LSU team, and we were on the other, we were on the opposite side of a game the other day, LSU and Arkansas, and you got the better of that one. It just feels to me, that LSU is not particularly great at anything. They've played a week schedule. They played three top 100 teams all year. It's a loss to Kansas State, a two-point win over Wake, and a three-point win against Arkansas. Kentucky's already at four losses, but they are battle-tested. They they played Michigan, Michigan State, Gonzaga, UCLA, Mizzou. I don't know that I want to lay this many points with Kentucky until I really know what LSU is. Right now, I don't think anybody knows what LSU really is. Uh, But I think that LSU has a hard time keeping Kentucky off the glass. I think they have a hard time slowing down their outside shooting. Like I, I want to bet Kentucky. I just don't know if I want to lay this big of a number. What do you think? Well, so I, I mean, probably not surprising to you as a co-host of a year or a season and a half now. Um, it's an LSU for no- or nothing type of situation for me. But I think that's mainly because I just don't believe in this Kentucky outfit. Um, I, I feel like they're really young at important positions that they really look to for leadership. And that hasn't worked very well. I feel like Cal is just like a, not even a cheerleader, just like a, a yelling, like tyrant, like a tantrum throwing toddler on the sideline at this point. Um, now he like goes after refs when he hadn't really done that for a long time. He'd only be yelling at his players. I just I wonder because there's been a lot of questions about his coaching ability and he doesn't have the all five star starting freshmen um, like and then three guys on the bench that are also five stars right now. I feel like a lot of those good players have kind of spread out their talent more. And I am looking for places to go against Kentucky. I thought about it with Louisville this weekend. Glad that I didn't. Oh, yeah. Good call. Um, but I mean, I guess it wasn't that close. But ultimately, I- I'm looking to go against Kentucky. I just don't think that they are very strong as a basketball team. We saw them go out as a 15 seed after not making the tournament the year before that. Um, so times have not been great. The, the, the fan base is still awesome, but I feel like they're also, um, I hate to make a soccer analogy, but since you came on and hosted a World Cup pod, I feel like I'm allowed to. <laughs> it just reminds me of all these soccer crowds that you'd think would be like, if you're a, a fan of a team, you should be supporting them. But like, I swear, some of the English crowds just get on their players and just boo them. And it makes it almost like playing at home is a bad thing. And part of me feels like that might be something that happens with Kentucky just because expectations are so high, they're not meeting them. 
Um, you make good points about LSU. Um, that, I mean, the the ups and downs, like blowing a 20-point lead to lose to K-State, coming back from a 20-point deficit at halftime to beat Wake Forest, and then whatever you call that Arkansas game, which was just all over the place. Um, and I think if that game's played at a neutral or in Arkansas, I feel like that might not even be close. I think um, I think that game was like, an, like it, 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 you and I both bet on this game, and I think we both were probably better off flipping coins. Like, we <laughs> I, I feel like in a coin flip, I do love having home dogs, but I would be lying to you through my teeth if I said I was any sort of comfortable with LSU because they were making some. I mean, and unfortunately, I feel like that's what some of the Murray State players they brought in. They they don't really make the great plays at end of games and they make a lot of like just three on ones and they blow a layup and then it goes down the other end and there's a dunk on the other side or a three point play. And it's like, how did we go from having the ball literally in the basket to then like losing five points on those possessions? So those things type of things happen. I don't think that's a good thing going on the road to Rupp where um, things can, can spiral really quickly for you. Um, but I'm, I'm looking to, to be against Kentucky as much as possible. I just don't know if this is one that I want to pull that trigger. All right, let's move to the Big 12, where we go from one blue blood to another. Uh, here we'll look at Kansas, and we'll project them as two-point road favorites at Texas Tech. And Texas Tech coming off a, a loss to TCU. I think we were on opposite sides of that one as well. Um, and, I, boy, watching this Texas Tech team is there's moments where it's like, Oh, this is a, a really good, well-coached team. And then they just have a, a run of 10 minutes somewhere in a game where they do nothing. And th- this is now three teams that they've played in the Ken Palm top one fifty, And they've lost all three of those games. They lost by double digits to Creighton lost by seven to Ohio state. And now by six to TCU. Is there any reason to project that they are going to get the job done against probably the best team they've played this year in Kansas. Uh, so I, I didn't have an involvement in that Texas tech game. I do. I know we were texting about it and I did watch that game um, really up and down. And I feel like um, really, really good Texas tech teams were bigger underdogs to Kansas in the past, despite Kansas winning the national championship last year and like blowing out seemingly everybody that I've watched them play against this year. Um, I feel like this Texas tech team is Kevin O'Banner and I'm, kind of curious what else they have. Um, And if really, really good Texas tech teams that are like way deeper and way better than this Kansas squad, we're getting three, four, five, or six points at home compared to the two you're projecting. I just feel like those are, uh, that's not a number that I want to get involved with. I feel like it's not close to the actual um, description of what the Texas tech program is right now. I feel like um, I strongly believe that Mark Adams came up with a defense that got Chris Beard hired to Texas to the University of Texas. It seems like that was his doing, and that's what's kept Texas Tech relevant. I do feel like there's a lot of trouble with recruiting talent to that program. And uh, the problem is Kansas has uh, the weird situation of bringing in Kevin McCullers back to, to Lubbock. That's yeah. weird. Um, I do know the returning, uh, like, environment for Chris Beard was nuts. I would hope that wouldn't be the same way for a returning player, but um, I I just, I don't see Texas tech being in the same type of app. Like I I don't see them in the same universe as Kansas right now. And I I need them to prove it to me for me to have any interest in in taking that number. Yeah. I'm with you. Uh, And it feels like Kansas has 
you know, from just from a, a pure talent standpoint, it's it's hard to even talk about these teams as being like, oh yeah, it's a, a two point spread. Uh, it it just doesn't even on the road. That doesn't seem right to me. Uh, I, I think you know Kansas's th- three best players would all be you know, arguably the the best player for uh, for Texas Tech. So I don't think there's there's a lot that Texas Tech can do to stay close in this game. I was surprised. Ken Palm made this number two. I was surprised that it was as low as it was. Um, I, I'm sure there's going to be Kansas money come on Tuesday. But if there's not, if it's a one possession type uh, line, I, I think I'll be in on the Jayhawks. All right, last one. Let's take a look. Let's stay in the Big 12 and talk about the Baylor Bears, who just got blown out uh, in Iowa. And that was, I mean, it's a game we talked about last week. We were both kind of surprised. Seemed like, oh, Baylor, they, they've got enough talent to overcome the Hilton Magic. Um, now they are back home against TCU, who we just mentioned. And TCU, by the way, is still sitting at 12 and one. Like this is a team, and it is a team that beat Iowa, beat Utah, uh, beat Providence, which is looking more and more like a really good win, and now beat Texas Tech. What do you think about TCU? How do you feel like they match up against Baylor? And what do you think went wrong for Baylor in that Iowa State game? Uh, I struggle to separate LJ uh, Cryer and and Flagler, I think it is, but one of them was out for that game. And I feel like this Baylor team, their guards used to be like four deep, I feel like, with so many good players. Yeah. They could just kind of pick and choose whoever was on the court and they're going to outperform the guards they were against. I don't know that Baylor's as deep as they were in the past. I don't know if Jerome Tang has taken some of that talent uh, to Kansas State or basically grabbed players that went there instead of going to Baylor. Um, obviously Keontae George is still a big, big talent and Baylor are really, or is a really talented program. I just feel like they're maybe not as great as they have been and, and probably didn't do as well in portals or in transfer areas or recruiting besides the Keontae George steal from Texas and all the other programs that are out there that all wanted him. Um, I don't, I mean, it looks like they didn't defend three very well. It did not see a moment of that game, but I'm planning to go back and watch it before um, I I watch this one. But um, I got to say the TCU side of things. I mean, you, you sent me some texts how they can't shoot at all. And I was like, yeah, I kind of see that they're missing everything. Um, And I feel like that's been the knock on Jamie Dixon teams literally since he was at Pittsburgh and then all the way here to TCU. It's, it's always been good defense and not a lot of offense. Um, as my dogs lose their mind in the background. Hilarious. <laughs> um, but anyway, I just I don't know that I feel very good about trusting TCU whatsoever, unfortunately. Yeah, and it was Cryer that missed and it, Flagler, the the better shooter of the two. And it, that if Cryer misses again, I, I think that it's okay for Baylor. I, I think it like I, I would worry about them if they were missing Flagler in this game because I do think. Baylor's going to try to shoot and TCU is going to have to shoot to keep up. And TCU, as you just said, they cannot shoot. And it it is nerve wracking to play, to have a wager on TCU and see how many open looks they get. And ju- like they just don't, they never go in. It's like, you know, that feeling when your team's on a bad run and they'll miss three or four open looks and you're like, oh my God, are they ever going to make It's like that, but that's just, it's not a run. That's just what they are. And it, it's very difficult to project them 
to keep up in a game on the road with a team that can go on a, a major run and really just kind of blow you out if you're not careful. Uh, I'm not going to let myself get overly affected by what I saw against Iowa State. That was one of their maybe their worst offensive performance of the season. Um, so I'm going to trust that that was a blip on the radar and that Baylor gets right here uh, against a TCU team that is – celebrating their uh they'll, they'll be celebrating their trip to the national champion there may be not not, not even a uh it not, there may no, be no frogs fans to make the trip to waco because they're all headed out to the uh, the national championship game maybe um i swear what a i mean this is not a college football podcast but what <laughs> an incredible day of whatever the heck we were watching yesterday uh but the nice part is it's about that- time we were due for a good semifinal game <laughs> Yeah, I think going to Baylor is going to be very tough on TCU. I'll be very surprised if they improve to 13 and one. I'll put it that way. All right. Only a couple things left to take care of. Actually, let's take let's take care of some business before we get to best bets, Griffin. Sure. Um, use the promo code new 20 N E W Neon Echo Whiskey 20. Uh 20% off for all listeners of this college basketball podcast. It's good. Seven days from the podcast release. Uh, so you got until Sunday, or I guess you could do Monday the, the 9th of January, but get in early. Uh, I got picks coming out every night. I know AJ's putting them out there as well. Got plenty of other great handicappers as we enter into that last week of the college football season, plus NFL playoffs are starting. Uh, if you want to get up early, uh, I know AJ's doing it uh, from Vegas, watching all those soccer matches at 4 a.m. local or whatever <laughs> they are. But uh, come on in, join me there, or uh, I'm sure there's a bunch of fighting islands going on in Mars somewhere as well for the UFC stuff coming out. Uh, use the promo code NEW20, and you get 20% off uh, for all listeners of this podcast. I'll uh, I'll actually start the best bets because I'm on a 4-0 streak here. And yeah. I like, um, I'd love to have the tee box because – I, I got to say, um, underdogs and, and home dogs have really been great to me so far. Uh, and I got a really good one coming up. Uh, I think you projected plus four on NC State hosting Duke. Is that right? That's the projection. Yep. Here we go. Um, sign me up. I mean, I, I went against North Carolina State with my best bet on Friday. That was a tough loss for them at Clemson. I thought they played surprisingly well, despite falling behind pretty heavily. Um, and they were missing my Orchich, their big center. Um, but I thought got a really good game from uh, Burns, a, a big, big man transfer from Winthrop, who um, did a lot more than I thought. And I think there's a lot more talent on this NC State team, more than you'd expect. Plus, uh, the Wolfpack fans go all out for any game with a North Carolina school, specifically one located on Tobacco Road, like in North Carolina. It's probably the main one, but Duke is a very close second uh, and I just don't really believe in this Duke team. Um, I think John Shire is a huge downgrade from Mike Shevsky. I think his impact on the officials is significantly different. And NC State catching more than a possession at home. I think there's a very good chance they stay within that number. Also seeing Duke go on the road and lose to Wake Forest makes me pretty comfortable that I think a better, more talented team like NC State can uh, get the job done. All right. I actually agree with with basically all of that. And I'm I'm also like you said, you're kind of looking for spots to fade Kentucky. I'm doing the same thing with Duke. So uh, this feels like a good place to start. I will go to my best bet. First, I want to talk about my I lost my best bet with on, on New Mexico against Wyoming. New Mexico probably shouldn't have covered this game. I mean, it's fair. They let themselves get into a deep hole early. They were down double digits uh, in the first 10, 
you know, 12 minutes of the game. It's hard to it's hard to cover a spread of any number at that point uh, against a, a defense like Wyoming plays. But New Mexico came all the way back. They're up one. They get fouled. I'm laying three points, and they miss both free throws with Ooh. one second Ooh. left on the clock. Ooh. And I do not even get a push, which would have felt like a win at that point. So I uh, went digging again, looking for another winner. Uh, I want to get back on. I, I I feel like as soon as my good streak ended, you t- you picked it up. So hey, uh, we've got I mean, That's what we're supposed to de- do here. The dinging and donging, as they call it, right? We got to We got to sync up. Uh, and I'm going to go to the Mo Valley, and I'm going to go with Bradley minus four at Murray State. And I just don't think Murray State has the roster they need to be successful in this scheme. Like, there's nobody who can beat you off the dribble. There's nobody who can hit threes. And on top of that, their two best players are now dealing with injuries. Rob Perry's been dealing with a shoulder injury for a few games. And today, Jamari Smith rolled his ankle pretty bad against Evansville. He was out for a while. Then he came back, but he didn't look himself. And when you roll those ankles on Sunday, they tend to hurt a lot more on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday than they do on Sunday. Uh, so I think they're slowed down a little bit and Bradley, I, I still think Bradley is the class of the Valley. Um, they gave away a game late at Belmont. I don't think they're going to let themselves fall asleep on the road again on a lead. Uh, and this Murray state squad just hasn't looked right all season. I don't think they have the personnel they need to run their system. So I'm going to back the Braves Bradley minus four at Murray State will be my best bet. I do. I got to say, I love Brian Wardle. Uh, I was worried he was going to lose his job when they had a really, really bad year and had a bunch of like off the court issues and lost like half the team. Yeah, seemed like kicked off the team rather than actually transferring out. Uh, but that was, I think, pre-COVID or during COVID or I don't know. COVID has warped my mind in many different directions. <laughs> but Murray has lost so many players. Literally, that whole team I feel like went to LSU and they're really puzzling that to put it that way. So now you got a bunch of Juco kids to go against um, probably a good crowd. That I would expect because Murray's got a pretty good uh, fan. I think they do have a good home court. Yeah. But uh, I, I really like what I've seen from the Braves so far. And I, I'm actually hoping that they're going to be a team that we can back. Uh, I had a really good run on them in the Missouri Valley conference tournament a few years ago. And I'm hoping for that to happen again. All right. Well, that will do it. You got a couple best bets. We've covered the big games. Gave you a promo code to save you 20% off at pregame.com. What else can we do? I think that's it. Uh, but we will be back on Thursday as we, you know, we record on Sunday night and Thursday night for Monday and Friday releases. And uh, we'll be back with that episode. Hopefully have you some more winners in hand. Uh, Griffin, happy new year to you, my friend. And uh, let's hope that 2023 is, is is quite profitable for everybody. Let's hope for that, huh? No, no bad beats. Uh, none at all. Not one, not one. No Sam Darnold's. No, no, no. It's a new year. It's a new year. That's what they say. So at least that's what my wife says. It's a new year. Start, start something fresh. All right. Uh, for Griffin, I'm AJ. We will talk to you guys on Thursday. <laughs>